I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. All right, James, there's our amazing introduction from Clark. Thanks, Clark. Good work. Thanks, Clark. Um, we have a lot to talk about. I actually, this is one of the first times I, one of the rare times I don't actually have a schedule for us just because I feel like we can just kind of riff on everything that went down today. We're recording this on Friday night, so you may be listening to this on the weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I think we should start with the big ist story, and that's TJ Brody. Um, he's someone you and I talked about a lot. He was number one on my list of guys who fit best. Uh, four years, $5 million a year cap hit. What do you think? It's probably kind of like the least surprising thing to have happened, isn't it? Like that that's kind of, if we had to put percentage chances on what was going to happen... It probably would have been Brody and, and probably Wayne Simmons too, just because of all, <laughs> all of the talk about Simmons coming into today. Um, it's interesting because there was a little bit of heat around the Petrangelo stuff. Come, I think it was coming from the Petrangelo side. So then all of a sudden, yesterday and today, I started working on that. Um, and uh, I had a, I had a story ready to go that kind of said... You know, maybe the Leafs have like an outside shot at Petrangelo. Maybe, you know, if like some of these other things fall through that. Um, and, and Kyle Dubas said earlier in the day after they signed Simmons that um, he had talked to Petrangelo's agent. But um, trying to make the money work on that didn't make a lot of sense. And and Brody, Brody made a lot of sense. Like it's not it's not the sexy decision to get someone like him, but it's it, it, it's like the practical decision you know it, it, it's getting a dependable player who can play 20 minutes a game and play with Morgan Riley and and the thing too I've been thinking about Jonas it's an upgrade over Cody CC and Tyson Berry so while it's not super exciting it um it's something they can manage under the cap and that gives them a player they didn't have last year that they really needed yeah well when you go back to what Sheldon Keith talked about what they were looking for it's just someone who's reliable and you think of who was filling that position last year like you just mentioned that was Cody Cece that was Tyson Berry it's interesting like when you kind of compare it to the acquisition of Berry last year obviously that's a trade this is free agency but the fit is just a lot cleaner he will I like I've been thinking about it I'm going to write about it this weekend just about how he fits I'm not totally sold on on whether you play him with 
Morgan Riley or whether you play him with Jake Muzzin. I think there's a case that you can play him with more with Muzzin. But the point is now you have another guy that you can play in those situations we talked about, like when you're trying to defend a lead or you're killing a penalty or like they just lacked that guy. And, and Tyson Berry never fit that profile, despite the fact that he was talented. He just never fit that profile. He's kind of an easy fit. Do you like the four years or is that just kind of the cost of, of getting someone well, in free agency and you just kind of swallow it? You know, the thing was Jonas is that Calgary was trying to keep him so... That's what made it complicated. I thought maybe they would be able to get Brody for a little bit less if, if kind of the bidding war wasn't so fierce for him. But there was there was definitely, I know for sure, at least Calgary was trying to keep him. And that's probably why Toronto got pushed. You know, coming into free agency, I probably, I would have projected he was going to get something similar to what he was making. I think he was making 4.6 right around there. I would have thought he would have been around there again in three or four years and you know, the Leafs, as as tends to happen. I mean, I, I saw some people on the broadcast were saying that the contracts were down and whatever. I didn't. I don't really think so. I mean, there were a lot of mediocre players that got a lot of money and, and more term than they should have. And there's going to be a lot of the contracts that were signed today around the league that teams are going to regret. Uh, I don't think this is going to be one of those. Um, you know, it didn't have any... Uh, there's no signing bonuses on it or anything like that, so... And I don't know. They can probably find a way out of that contract. You know, maybe you have to retain something or maybe there's a buyout. It's like it's not a buyout proof contract. It's not it's only five million. Um, you know, if he he's going to be exposed in the expansion draft, potentially. I mean, they're, they're going to have to think about who they want to protect and who they don't. Um, but, you know, they, they've got some flexibility with that contract. So when it's really important that they have Brody, which basically this coming season, they're going to have him, and then. Who knows what happens after that? So it's a little bit higher than I would have thought he would have got, but I understand why they went there. Yeah, now he is 30. He turned 30 in June. And there are kind of like these little indicators of a little bit of decline this past year offensively. Um, there's always been the argument that that he's been propped up uh, by Mark Giordano. Although if you look at the numbers, like when he doesn't play with Giordano, he's still like fine and, and capable. And I think, obviously, he's going to be playing with a good partner, whether it's Muzzin, whether it's Riley. He's going to have that element. Um, I do think it's interesting when you, you talk about Petrangelo. Now, uh, during the call, you know, Dubas was asked by me um, about Petrangelo and how close they got, and he said they didn't get close. And he was, like, laughing. He was like laughing when he said it. Yeah, so I'm not sure I totally buy that. Like, I wonder if they get into a situation where maybe Calgary, maybe another team, whoever – is looking at this and saying, maybe they looked at the situation and said, if we don't get Brody, like we wait on Petrangelo and Petrangelo doesn't decide until Sunday, maybe we get no one. You know what I mean? Like oh. maybe they, maybe it was just kind of the same thing with St. Louis. Maybe St. Louis looked at it and said, you know what? We just have to get someone. We have to sign Krug and, and see what happens. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen here, but Petrangelo, now there's not a whole bunch of bidders. And like, it sounds like they were asking for a lot. His leverage is gone. I was I was only really kind of poking around this the last few days a lot because it, it it really looked like the marriage between the Blues and Petrangelo was really breaking down over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, and then I was hearing out of the Petrangelo side that, that he, his top choice was Vegas and his second choice was the Leafs. And it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe there's something to this. I mean, to, I remember with Tavares, like everyone said for 
months and months and months Tavares is going to stay with the Islanders. He's loyal, whatever, whatever. And the Sharks are offering more. And like people, there were so many people saying it wasn't going to happen with Toronto. And then it did. And that's kind of made me a bit more cautious where sometimes if there's a little bit of fire, you need to look into it a little bit more. And so anyway, I was poking around it. And I just think they asked for a lot. And when Dubas called Petrangelo's agent today and talked to him, um, I'm sure they said the asking price is nine, whatever. And then we said, okie doke, let's, let's go with the plan we thought we were going with. And, and they got Brody done. So I guess, yeah. you know, it makes sense to figure out like, like, I think if, I, wonder, I think it's possible though, James, like it, it, it's possible. Like it was still that number you, you had talked about somewhere in the eight range, but maybe he just hadn't decided and he was going to talk to Vegas and he's going to talk to St. Louis. Like, and maybe you risk yeah. waiting to see for him to decide well, and then he decides yeah. not to choose you and you have no chair. Well, you could tell Brody, oh, we need to wait a couple of days. And Brody says, you know what? I'm just going to go take 4.7 from Calgary and stay where I am. And exactly. I, I'm not going to risk yeah. my future by waiting three days. And then what happens if you guys get potential and Calgary signs someone else? And it's it's really, it's kind of like a, it's like kind of like a game of chicken, right? Like you gotta, yeah. you don't want to be. It's musical chairs, and you don't want to be the the goalie stuff that was happening around the league was really interesting because, you know, it's almost like a goalie or two win, and then every team was like, I gotta get a goalie because you know if I don't get a goalie, then then I'm in trouble. And you know, Vancouver tried with Markstrom right up till the final day, and then all of a sudden, you know, the number got too high, and then they signed Holtby, and then Markstrom went to Calgary, and then. Um, there were some there were some bad goalie contracts that went around today and that's what happens when when teams get worried and you know if I, I, Brody was the best choice you know you look at the other options in free agency other than obviously Petrangelo who was asking for a lot and and didn't have the Leafs as his top choice um, the other options that were palatable would have been uh, Tanev um, Stetcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hamannick, and I think Brody's. The I don't bet. know about Stetcher. I think it's just Hamannick and Tanev. Right. Well, I'm, sure. I'm he Stetcher was probably four fourth out of the four, but Brody was the best option. Yeah, and I mean, you can look at those two other guys like Tanev. I mean, the decline is 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 has been steeper, and obviously the injury stuff is really concerning. I like the fit kind of just because he's a little. I don't know. He's a little more different from what they have. Uh, and Hamannick, it's it's kind of the same thing as Brody. Um, similar age, similar little bits of decline. And, and the thing with Brody is, like, he has done this thing that they kind of need him to do for a while, and he's done it effectively. And, like, whether you play him with Muzzin, whether you play him with Riley, you're kind of getting the same, not the same dimension. Like, you're getting kind of a, a lesser version of Giordano. But you're getting the same kind of dynamic where you'll play him on the right side and you'll play him against top lines. Like, the fit is nice. I still think, James, like, and I don't know how you feel about this, I still feel like they're, they're still a little bit too much like they were in some ways. Like, Kyle Dubas mentioned that, you know, they'd like to see if they can get someone who has a little bit of, I think he used the word presence. And I think that would help because you look at their defense now and it's 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 better yeah, but but it's still okay. kind of the okay, let me same inter- let, elements. Yeah. Let me interject. Where's where's this presence guy going to play? I mean, he he also he also talked about Justin Hall, and he he also talked about Dermot playing on the right side. He talked about Letton, and he talked about finding room for Sandine and Lilgren to play. And where are all these guys going to play? Let's say they bring in who's the guy with presence? Bogosian. They have no cap space at all. 
Like they, they have negative cap space after signing Brody. So, and they don't have a roster spot either. So unless they're moving one of these guys, and it's, it's, it's hard to read too much into what they're saying because I think there's still a bunch more moves there. there and we're going to get into the cap situation and stuff that, that the Brody contract creates. But uh, I think there's still a bunch of shoes to drop here on this roster. And I, I'm not really sure what, what they're going to be. Well, so it was a little confusing um, when Kyle Dubas talked about that. He kind of seemed to imply that they don't actually have to do anything, that they have a pathway to not doing anything. That doesn't make sense. Maybe he just meant uh, that they don't have to move someone like William Neander. But that's if you listen to what he said, that's I mean, you could read it that way. You could also read it another way that they don't have to do anything. But explain kind of where it's at right now. Well, I've just been playing around with kind of the armchair GM and their cap situation and like trying to find a way to make it fit without having to trade a significant salary. And it's just, it's, it's not possible. They, they just, they don't have enough money. I mean, it's, 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 it's not, I mean. Would it depend on how much you squeeze the two RFAs? I mean, I got them on the projection I'm looking at right now where I've squeezed them. Like, like what's the most you could possibly squeeze them? I've tried to do it here and. Well, I put Dermot at one point one. I put him on at a million. Year. Yeah, but have you okay. made it fit? So that's have even you, squeezed. Have you no, made the? Have you made, made twenty players? It, it doesn't fit. It's it, it like no. Someone's gonna go. They they still need to shed at least, at minimum one and a half million. I think. Well, so you can trade Engvall. Yeah, but that doesn't shed one and a half million though. That that sheds half a million. That gets you. That gets you a third of the way where they gotta go. Because you still have to play another player, right? Like, we're looking at the minimum 20-player roster. I just, I don't see a way that Andreas Janssen comes back. Or unless, or maybe they trade Kerfoot and get a cheaper center in there. They're, they're, Brody at 5 million, they still, they still yeah, have, so to, I have, it, have to move somebody. I have it right in front of me just playing around. And with 6D, and those 60 are Muzzin, Brody, Mor- Riley, Hall, Lettinen, Dermott. And then 12 forwards, two goalies, and the 12th forward is Barabanov. I still see, like, they're 1.4 over. And that's with, like, 20 players. So. I got it down to 1.04, and that's by Ooh. squeezing Mikheyev and Dermot to, like, ridiculous numbers. Demoting. What did you squeeze Mikheyev to? Demoting Engvall, sending Robertson back to junior, sending Sandine down. Like, I just tried to make it as, like, I mean, they're saying they can do some sort of Brandon Prita Magic or something. Um, I, I gave McKay a 1.5, which I feel like is lower than he's going to get. And and I'm still 1.04 over. So, and to me, that's like the most ridiculous that you could squeeze it. Unless they play with 19 players or something. I mean, I I think they're just, they're not going to say publicly, we, have, we still have to trade somebody. They know that in this market, if you say something like that, then it's just going to be like talk radio for like the next two months is going to be like, William Nylander is getting traded because the Leafs are over the cap, and it's like, well, they're they're like, they're not they're not that far over the cap. Like they they need to free up. I think they need to free up like one and a half million kind of thing. I just wonder how much you could squeeze Mikheyev. I mean, like he really does not have much of a case. He's got like, what he's, happens he's, if you? He's got arbitration. I know, but like, so what is his case at arbitration? He's played thirty nine games. Yeah. Well, what is his case? I guess the only I don't case, know. I wonder what like the the low end of what like he would get in an arbitration is. He he can sign an offer sheet. He True. could. He could also go back to the. K. He could go to he could go to Russia. Um, 
or Jonas, he could win his arbitration case and uh, they'd be stuck with it, whatever it is. So the thing with arbitration is you risk that number being something you're uncomfortable with. True. I just don't know how much ammunition he would have for an arbitrator. To that give that negotiation must be award. fascinating because Milstein is, is a very good agent and gets good numbers for his guys. And I mean, look at the Zaitsev contract. Like it's, it's very oh impressive. That's very impressive agent work there. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Mikhaev. I I don't think... if I think if they try and squeeze him too hard, the KHL could look pretty appealing. I mean, I think what the Leafs are going to have to do... The other thing too, Jonas, is if the cap is the same next year as it is this year, which it probably is going to be, it's not like they're going to be able to give him more the year after. Like, where's that, yeah. money, where's that money going to come from? I don't know. Well, and the other thing that we haven't touched on Wayne Simmons yet, and we'll get to him in a second, but I still think they need... They kind of need, like, I would rather you trade Janssen and try to get someone a little, a bargain guy in free agency. Like, I had Corey Perry on my list. Like, I think he's still out there. Like, someone like that for maybe a million and you trade you trade Janssen and you clear up some space. Like, to me, that kind of makes some sense if that's what you're going to do. But, like, you, you have to trade someone. They're going to have to move someone. And we've talked about Janssen or Crowfoot, and I think you and I both can see the value in keeping each, but obviously they don't have another third-line center, so you're probably trading Janssen at this point. Well, unless, Jonas, the guy you bring in is not Corey Perry, who's a bit one-dimensional, and you get someone who's, you know, some of the guys I talked about in my story, like uh, Johan Larson or uh, Lucas Lucas Walmark, or these are not sexy names. Like, these are not players. No, not at all. That a lot of they're unsexy. Know, did you see the comment on my? I wrote that story about who they should target in free agency, and those guys were near the top of the list. And, and one of the comments was something like, "This is like this is a this is like doing a story about favorite pizza toppings, but you take out the ten best ones and you just talk about what's left." And like like it's it's like talking about free agents that no one cares about. But I think that those are going to be some of the guys that they look at. What would be like the most boring uh, pizza topping? Someone said, they said green pepper was what the commenter yeah, said. Yeah, that's this what is, I was thinking. This is about like saying like, oh, let's put lots of green pepper on our pizza and like in having nothing that anyone likes. Well, it would be someone like, uh, well, I don't think Yanmark can play center. So I don't, like there's not a lot of options. It would be signing like someone like Derek Broussard, Miko Koivu, I don't think is signed. No, I think it's like even lower profile guys than those guys. Like, I, like a, I don't know. I look through the whole list. More boring? I yeah, that's why I'm talking about Walmart and Larson and those guys. Those guys are like the definition of no name. Like you ask a hundred NHL fans, are these real players? And like ninety eight probably don't know. But you know what though, Jonas? That doesn't mean that they're not good. Like I know, I'm just saying they're no name. Like I talked to, I talked to coaches. I talked to. I spent a lot of time on that list. Like I, Jankowski was on there. He signed for league minimum in Pittsburgh. Uh, Henestroza signed for cheap in Florida. Jesper Faust hasn't signed, but again, those guys aren't centers. Like there aren't not very many there aren't very many cheap centers that aren't gonna that aren't uh that can play like a reasonable amount of minutes and they're I think Walmart and uh and Larson are the only ones there. So, you know, the Leafs gotta try and maybe get one of those guys for like a million bucks and but I don't know. Well, you know what? You have to hope that like the musical chairs things forces somebody to take less than they expected. Uh, I don't know who that guy is, but maybe like, I don't know, maybe like the way this is all going and some of these teams having spent weird money, maybe like 
somebody you think is is better or you would have thought would have gotten more gets squeezed out. I don't know. Maybe a Broussard signs for 1.5. Like, I think he played for 1.6 or something with the Islanders last year and and had a pretty good year. And and then if you get someone like that for 1.5, you could move Kerfoot at 3.5. Although, who's going to want Kerfoot sure. at 3.5 if all these free agents are signing for 1.5? And you know, That's the other problem, James. You mean, you might have to include a pick or something with him to make him more... I don't know. But... I just, I don't see, and I'd be interested, you know, if people, if you want to, in the comments, like, you know, tell us what, what you would do with their cap situation. I mean, we should almost do, I should do a whole story on the cap situation. I'd, maybe I'll wait till Monday, but it's going to be interesting to see how they make this work. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you look kind of, now they've kind of set their defense in some ways for the next couple years, at least. And in some ways, I think one of the interesting things with, with Brody is he kind of insures you a little bit with Riley, who has two more years. I mean, there's still a world where the cap goes up and like you can resign Morgan Riley in a couple of years, but you also have Rasmus Sandin a little bit older, Travis Dermott a little bit older, and you you probably hope if you're the Leafs that those guys are ready to kind of step into bigger roles and that maybe Jake Muzzin and slides back. So he's he's insurance that way. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, about Wayne Simmons. Um, this had been rumored a bit. Pierre Lebrun had kind of been hinting at it for a while. Uh, do you like like that he was kind of their first bullet to spend uh, on a forward? Uh, I, I think that they, I mean, they obviously tried to keep Kyle, Kyle Clifford and it, it seemed like that money was going to go to Kyle Clifford and then he turned them down. Uh, he didn't sign today. Um so it sounds like it feels like Simmons was the next choice up. They were able to talk to him early because Buffalo gave them permission to do so. It's hard to know what Simmons is going to be. You know, Kyle Dubas sounds pretty confident that he's going to rebound and that, you know, he's going to get over some of the injury problems he had and get back to. I mean, Simmons in his prime was a was a good player. He was a thirty goal scorer. He had some good underlying numbers. He. You know, he he could he could play with really good players and complement them really well. He could play on your top power play unit. He's only thirty two years old, so there's a this is a bit of a like a reclamation project where they're trying to. I wonder, Jonas, if they play him in the top six. Like, I wonder. I was saying this to you earlier today when we were talking to the phone. I wonder if they try him with some of their good players. You know, maybe not all the time, but maybe some of the time. And then it, that makes your third line much better. You know, like the thing is, Jonas, like if you're if you're paying twenty two million to have Matthews and Marner on as two of your forwards on one line, and then you're paying eighteen million to have two of your forwards on the next line, those guys should be able to carry a player that makes a million or two million on the other wing 
and make him do something of value. Like, like part of the benefit of having a Tavares and a Matthews and a Marner and these guys is they should be able to prop up players that aren't star players. We've seen Crosby and Malkin do it in Pittsburgh over and over and over again. And the, the Leafs might need that to have that happen. And the benefit of if Simmons can play uh, on the left wing on one of the top two lines is that you can move someone who has a lot of talent down to the third line. And then all of a sudden you're not a two-line team, which is part of the problem they ran into last year. Okay, James, two points on that. Number one, this is a, a thought that I've had for a while. I actually don't totally know if it makes sense to play either of Marner or Neander with Matthews. I kind of think like you could just put like Hyman and I don't know. Wayne I just Smith. think like he's going to <laughs> – yeah, no. I, well, that that's in my next – one of my third points. I just don't think like he needs – I don't know that he needs Marner or Neander. Like, I think he could score 50 with Hyman and whoever. Well, we did like see him McKay play with Marlowe and Band. Brown that one playoff against Boston, and it was freaking painful. Yeah, but he's, he's a, a, he's a different player now. Yeah, and B, true. like, Hyman is better than, than Brown. So that's one thought. Another thought to your point, um, well, actually not to your point. I wonder if there's still a world in which, like, Neander is a center, and, and that opens some things up, like... I don't know if that has anything to do with trading like Kerfoot, but maybe in the name of balance, like maybe Neilander's your third center and you mm. play him with. It's hard to get him enough minutes know. there, though. Like, I don't think that's true. I know you've maintained that for a while. I don't actually. I think you can with power play and like. But if you could, if just, keeps trying to give Matthews and Tavares, you know, twenty-one minutes a game or twenty minutes a game. But maybe that changes, James. Like maybe it's not smart to play John Tavares at age thirty that much. A night. I don't think they have a choice with how much money those guys make. Like I, I think that the way they're, why the like, way they're what? well. So I don't. But I, wait, let me let me finish my other thought. The other point I wanted to make, and then you can respond, is you say Wayne Simmons is only thirty two. Thirty two is is a lot different now than it was five years ago, ten years ago, and he's like not the fastest guy. So you may think like he's only thirty two. Thirty two can be like you're you don't have a ton left. Yeah, for sure. And and that might end up being the case. I'm just saying, I don't know. Like, there there are some guys that are able to play at 37, 38 in the NHL too. So I just, I'm yeah. not saying that Wayne Simmons is going to get back to where he was when he was 26 or whatever and he was playing on top lines and scoring 30 goals. I'm just saying there might be a little bit more juice there than what we saw in in his, I mean, like I was, I was saying this to you earlier today when we were talking about the the move. I mean, he was playing in New Jersey. He was playing against other teams' top lines. He was playing with not always great players. He was playing in difficult situations. Uh, he was banged up and he was hurt. I'm not surprised that his underlying numbers and everything looked like crap in New Jersey. I mean, I th- it was they weren't. And I just think that it's almost like like everyone kind of. This maybe is a bad example. You can tell me if it is. Like everyone kind of crapped on Cody CC and said he's the worst defenseman in the league and whatever. And then all of a sudden you bring him to Toronto, you play him in sheltered situations, and you play him with a much better partner, and you play him with better forwards. And it's like all of a sudden his possession numbers were better than they were in Ottawa. And yeah, I think that you could see some of that with Simmons. Well, and if you look, like he shot like six and change percent, and for his career he's like a almost a 14% shooter. So Mm -hmm. like you would think even with just some luck going his way, especially like with how much he kind of hangs around the net Mm -hmm. that, that maybe he can score you somewhere between like 
12 and 20 goals, like something in that ballpark. He'll play on their second power play. And and to your point, like I think that's an important thing why, A, I was surprised that they would try to commit to Kyle Clifford for that long. But Kyle Clifford is like very, very, very limited in the way that you can use him. Like you can only play that guy on a fourth line. Now, Wayne Simmons is not fast and, and neither obviously is Kyle Clifford. But at least to your point, like if the odd game, you're not going and you're Sheldon Keefe, you could say, you know what? Simmons go and play with Tavares. And like it's conceivable that he could bang in a couple pucks and, and help you that way. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, you get an offensive zone faceoff or you get like he, he is going to play on the power play for it. Like he he's still effective there because it's not a speed game and he's still got really for good. Sure. He's got really good hand eye and he's he's really good around the front of the net. And, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people. I talked to coaches and front office people about Simmons when there was rumored they were going to get him. And they said, you know, like he's still effective on the power play. He's still got some ability around the net. So that might, I mean, maybe he's like a poor man's hymen at this point, obviously without the wheels. Like may, maybe he's a guy that if you play him with two fast players on his line, maybe he doesn't need to get you your zone entries and he doesn't need to, he just needs to do what he can do to be effective. Maybe, maybe it's an interesting it's an interesting addition. Obviously, he brings a lot of that dimension that we we've talked about a bit. He's physical. He's competitive. Like he can kind of be a pest, uh, which I think they need. Um, I still kind of would like them to get a better defensive kind of forward to play on one of those bottom two lines, and maybe they still will. Um, we talked about that that extra defenseman that they may or may not add. To your point, like I don't know where, like who he's bumping out because if you're adding one more guy, like someone of Dermot or Lettinen is not playing unless you're trading someone. It kind of feels like they have too many defensemen now, doesn't it? Like it feels like there's not. Yeah. How are they going to get minutes for Sandine and Lilgren and Lettinen and Dermot? Well, I think there's a world where Sandine's playing in the AHL. If there's, who knows what the AHL looks like. Look at the cap situation. The world is the world we live in now that that's where he's playing. But I just, they keep talking about opening holes for the young guys and the progression and all that stuff. And then I'm just, I'm trying to look up the UFAD and see if there's anyone other than Bogosian that might fit that. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they could get Stetcher for like a league minimum deal or. That's not presence, man. You got to read. Right. That's, that's the well, opposite. Who is it? That, guy, that guy's. Who is it? I don't have anyone else on my <sighs> right. list. It's going to be some a- that I would want some to AHL guy. Play. I can't like I, I don't have anyone on my list for that. So it's going to be some that doesn't make sense. It's going to be some like tweener guy. It's going to be some that doesn't make sense, though. That's that's a waste of time. Well, I mean, they, they don't have any cap space and they don't have a roster spot. So I don't know who this and how much presence is a guy going to have if he's <laughs> if he's he's making the league minimum. He's not on your roster. He. <laughs> he's gonna be fighting from the press box whoever it is i'm just gonna call him mr presence in my columns all year (laughs) i just like he's like he's like literally not gonna have any presence because he's not gonna like be in the lineup i I don't know i just i i i I, that's why i feel like there's still more to come like maybe they end up trading dermot maybe part of sure maybe there's an extra you know three hundred thousand dollars you save right there or or 500 or whatever because you don't sign dermot and you get in a league minimum guy and it's funny that you trade him for futures, right? But like they, he was talking Dermot up like he's a yeah, big part of the plans. That's what I was gonna say, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is. So, no, that's true. I was just thinking while you talked about the presence of the story Colton Orr told me about that night when uh, 
when the Clarkson thing happened and him and Fraser McLaren were in the press box watching mm. and there's like your presence that they were just up there. Mm. The two, the that two was an exhibition game guys. though, right? Yeah. So I thought you were going to tell the story about Colt Nor and Fraser McLaren being mad at me that one time. Remind me of that. What happened? You criticized McLaren, I think. I wrote a story about how they did, shouldn't play the fighters or something. It, it, I think the story had their like possession numbers or something and said that they were dragging down the fourth line or something. And I, maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was one of the other media people. I don't know. I don't want to get the story wrong. But like someone went in the dressing room and those guys were there and they were like grumbling about what Myrtle wrote or something. Anyway. Here's an idea, James. Zdeno Chara. <laughs> That's present. That would be awesome. That's presence. That's presence. So yeah, with a capital P. So what do you do? You trade Justin Hall and you give Chara two million, and there you go. Boom goes we did the dynamite. It. Yeah, we made it happen. I, I, I'm I'm not a Leafs fan, so uh, I I kind of like Chara. I, I like. Uh, oh yeah. There's a lot of fans that don't like him, but I like him as a as a guy and as like a. I just find him like super interesting, and he's actually like kind of when you get to know him a little bit, he's kind of inspiring, just like his. He's like intelligent and I don't know what he's done with his career is pretty amazing. I saw him playing, playing junior and he like couldn't barely play. Could he not skate? He, no, he was like an awkward skater. He was really skinny. People just tried to fight him all the time. He's playing for Prince George and like though they usually had t- the, those, the nineties in the WHL, those were like tough, you know, he was getting challenged by big guys and for, he was like six, eight, like, like 200 pounds or something. Like he was really skinny. And um, he just got so much better. He just kept getting better and better. He's like mid to, mid to late 20s. He improved so much. Do you know what's nuts? I don't think he's ever been suspended. Yeah. I, well, I understand that fans don't like that because he plays. That, that's almost a problem with the rule book as opposed to a problem with Chara. Like it's like the mm. officials in the league need to suspend those things and call those things. And like, it's not like. like that seems like an influence kind of thing. But I don't know. It's like almost like, do you hate the player or do you hate the game? And like, if if you can get away with that stuff, then and you're an athlete trying to win a game, I can see why you would do it. I don't know. The Bruins guys, like, I'm not a Leaf fan either, but the Bruins guys have gotten away with a yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else uh, you want to touch on before we wrap? They they do still. You and I talked about this, and I've written this, and you've written this. They do still need to get like a third goalie. An ex, like an experienced AHL guy. Yeah, that's in my story for uh, tonight. I don't know who that's going to be. Other than that. I just heard that they were looking around at potentially getting one. Well, they better. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't... How about Sparksy? Bring Garrett Sparks back. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm kidding. I wonder if no, Garrett might end up playing happen. over in the KHL here or Europe or here pretty soon. I don't. He didn't have a very good year in the AHL, so... That uh, I wonder if, if they trade Janssen and they open up enough space, obviously, to fit Brody's new contract in. I wonder if there's going to be enough space there for them to do some different things. It's um, you and I talked about that. We should talk about this a little bit, Jonas. Like with, like I wonder if they should have a kind of like their third and fourth line. One of them should be like a sheltered offensive line, and one of them should be uh, um, uh, like a defensive line they can lean on. And I, I, I was saying to you that. I need to write a story about this, but I'll just I'll say it here, and then if 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 someone listening here wants to steal it and write an article, then go ahead. But Manny Malhotra coming in as an assistant coach 
you know, when he played with the Sedins, the Sedins would get all the offensive zone starts, and Mel Holter's line would get all the defensive zone starts. Vancouver was a very good team, and uh, they had an effective line that could do that. And I, with the personnel the Leafs have right now, I don't know if they could do that, but I wonder if they try and get a different-looking center, if they might be able to pull it off. Well, I mean, just playing around while you're talking, you could do something like Mikheyev, Engvall, and Barabanov. Like, obviously, it depends on how good Barabanov is, and then yeah. you've got to find someone else to play uh, with Tavares and Neander. Well, if you bring in whoever. like one of those like Larson or Walmart guys and throw him between Mikheyev and Barabanov and give them defensive assignments, is like, that might be interesting. And I like kind of like the idea of getting the two Russian guys playing together and getting some chemistry and... It might not be. It, it might be worth looking at anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, because one of the big problems that they had last year is like those third and fourth lines. Like you couldn't really play them um, yeah. in in hard minutes at all. Like because that was one of the limitations, obviously, of Frederick Goche. Like you can't play him in D zone. You don't want to play him in O zone. Like we talked about the other day. And like the Kerfoot lines, same kind of thing. Like you, you kind of don't really want to. Like if you're putting him out for a defensive zone draw, and the other team puts out Braden point like you're kind of like ah yeah so uh, you know i well i heard that there were times where they were like in game situations against a good team and it's like they don't know what line to put out there in some of those situations and they need to they need to fix that so they need they need either a third or a fourth line that they feel like they can put out against good players because you know some of the good teams around the league they have you know those third and fourth lines that they can rely on in in situations like that and and I think if 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 they had one line that could really shelter, uh, you know, maybe it's a uh, maybe you do like Robertson, Kerfoot, Spezza, or something like that, or Engvall, Kerfoot, Spezza. You get some skilled guys together, and maybe they could do some damage. Well, I guess we will see what's next. Um, I should add. Wait, I did want to add, James, that if people want to go listen to Scott Burnside's podcast. Uh, you can listen to everything that happened in free agency. He's got Eric Tehachik on, who is your old Globe and Mail colleague. So if you want to get like a full rundown about free agency and not just Leafs, listen to those guys. Um, and I anticipate James like will be back depending on what the news is. Like if it's like, it's going to be an interesting bar as to what requires another podcast. Like if, if they sign Johan Larson, not happening, right? Like that's that's the bar, right? Well, I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, we usually keep it going sporadically through the off season anyway. So you know, it's we'll uh, we, we could even do like a mailbag kind of podcast where we take people's questions and stuff like that. So we'll we're not going away entirely. I don't think we won't be dark for November and December. Hopefully, everyone stays safe. Hopefully, the COVID nineteen numbers start to improve in Ontario and in North America and. The, the NHL can come back on schedule. They, they want to be back playing real regular season games January 1st. I don't know if that's going to be realistic or not, but um, hopefully the you know the hockey's not dark for as long as it was there in the middle. And you know, and even if it is, you know, we'll still be here. So you know, we appreciate everyone listening. Just stay home, read books, read the Athletic. Watch movies, watch Netflix. Yeah, you John, you're Crave. spoken like someone that does not have children. That's, just, <laughs> sit, just sit yes. around reading books all day. That's what I do. Yep, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we will talk soon. James, stay safe. Everyone out there, stay safe. Happy Thanksgiving. Peace out, James. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>